Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. Thanks for joining us today for an inspiring message from our West location. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thanks, ladies. Ladies, can you just keep playing for just a second? I'm just going to pray for a few people before we start. The, uh, yeah, if you need uh, one of those phrases there about being a, God being a way maker. He's a way maker. Anybody here this morning need the Lord to make a way for you? Just stand up, please. You know you need a way. Yeah, need a way made. Okay. Beautiful. All right, just uh, here's what we do. Um, here's what I'm going to do. Um, th- this is who God is. He makes ways. Many times he has to, like, um, move things. And we think, oh, Lord, that's too big for you. Or maybe he has to... Um, so, you know, Isaiah says sometimes mountains got to come down, other times valleys have to come up. And uh, so I'm going to pray that God would give you a vision of your change and you would begin to feel and see that he'd give you a vision of the next step so you would see it. Now, typically what he does is he shows you something better than you could ever have imagined yourself. And so the first thing that comes up is insecurity and or um, limitations or stuff like that. And uh, I just ask you to set that aside and be able to allow the Lord to really make a very clear vision of the way that he's making for you. It's a personal request, and this is a moment where he wants to reveal himself as a way maker. So just close your eyes. Closing our eyes actually changes our our brain waves from beta, where we're all all in our head, to alpha, which uh, is a more meditative state. Spirit of God, I thank you this morning for making ways. Lord, you've never been confused about what's next in our life. You've never uh, at any point wondered, gee, what am I going to do now? But Father, for some of us that are standing here today, we wonder, Lord, are you big enough? Are you strong enough? Are you patient enough? And today I declare as the way maker that you would give each one here a supernatural vision of their next step. Lord, that you would show them. Lord, your word declares that the steps of good men and women are ordered by you. So Father, I command every ungodly thought that would keep them from their next step to right now that thought and that image be banished and broken and shattered in the name of Jesus and I declare that your light has come to the path of each one that's standing right now Lord we know that you are the way maker in our heads but from this day forward we will know in our hearts so I declare a path through a wilderness in the name of Jesus and that these ones who are standing, Lord, have already decided they would follow. Father, I thank you for not just getting them through but letting them charge through with great victory and great authority. Every next step, Lord, and the path forward, we declare open and free, obstacle-free, limit-free in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Yeah, great. You can be seated. 
As we enter the season of fasting, um, it's, a, it's a really short season. A week will go like that. It, it honestly will go very fast. You'll think that first day is, a long, is long. Uh, it, it, it'll go very quickly. Um, it, it's just like when you're, you're on YouTube and you're waiting for, ad will be done in three seconds, two seconds, five seconds, forever. Um, but it, it's going to go very fast. So what I encourage you to do is write in, a, in your journal, get a journal out, and begin to write out the things that you want the Lord, um, that you feel that the Lord is, don't, you, don't, you don't have to make it up, but you can feel that he, he wants breakthrough in your life for. Write them out, and, uh, and then watch as he, as through his word, he'll begin to speak to you about those steps, and then daily mark out. At the end of the day, I often will start a day and end a day, uh, especially in these, these times like this, of what he is saying and what he's doing, and I, honestly, by the end of the week, you'll be completely surprised about what's, what's taken place in your life already. So we're going to do this as a family, uh, church family. Fasting is a, um, Jesus uh, didn't, you know, ask us, um, would we fast or not? He said, when you fast, it's a, it's a clear discipline of a follower of Jesus that you set aside your, your physical appetites so that your spiritual appetite can rise up. And so uh, don't just uh, take the, free, the time that you have instead of eating or instead of if you're giving up whatever media or television or food or whatever you're giving up, that you put that time into the Word. And I typically uh, double my time in the, in the Word that during this week. Of course, I, there's other things you keep going on with life, but I double my time. If I was going and, and, uh, in the morning instead of an hour and a half, I'll try to do three hours. I change my schedule, change my routine. I expect a detoxification to begin to take place where you'll get headaches and jitters and weird stuff happen. But then after a couple of days, if you're doing a full water or juice or clear fluids fast, you just get clarity like unbelievable. And, uh, and then you just start to, um, new strength starts to come and, um, and you'll see incredible breakthroughs. So just join with us. We're going to be here in the evenings from 5 till 8. We, uh, we're at like Antarctic temperatures, we decided not to do a morning uh, time. We typically do a morning time as well from 6 to 9 or something, but we're just doing an evening time. And it's going to be self-directed, so we don't direct the prayer, but it's a location for you to come and rest, and it'll be uh, very peaceful and, and beautiful and come and meet with the Lord there. The other thing uh, I wanted to mention is just a, a family here, and, and um, I'm not sure if you know him. There's a young man named Bardia who's from our congregation who's the president of the Iranian Club in Cal Calgary. He lost eight friends in that crash, like eight and he just about was on it. And 12, uh, he knew 12 of the 65 Canadians who were Iranian. And our heart just goes out to when, when a is an issue or situation on a world scale like that uh, gets, you know, is going on, we feel it. I, ho I hope we feel it. And, uh, and we're to mourn with those that mourn, the Bible says. And so we're just feeling for Bardia right now. He's not here this morning. He's got a bunch of his friends over. So I just ask you to join me in prayer as we pray for him and others who are uh, facing loss at this time. So, Father, um, we pray for today, for, not, for Bardia and his friends, his family, the, the, the shock and trauma of this loss, and others in this congregation who have lost family members over last year, over this season. We pray, God, for comfort, supernatural comfort and experience of your great comfort. Lord, I pray for great uh, strength as, uh, as we look to you, Lord, as the comforter, and I ask you to come and minister healing to this Iranian community. We love them. And I just pray that there's, if there's ways that we can reach out, you'd show us. And that we would uh, love them with your love and be your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. <clears throat> All right, so <clears throat> we're going to start a series called A Closer Walk. By the way, people asked about uh, Sarah's book. It's here now, uh, 21 Days, Fearless in 21 Days, a Survivor's Guide to Overcoming Anxiety. Sarah, who shared her story the other week, she, uh, we, for, we, we didn't have them last week, we have them this week. They're $20, and uh, there's journals out there, there's one-year Bibles, so go buy some stuff. <clears throat> okay. I want to talk about uh, the Bible, working the Word and letting the Word work in us. And uh, let me just make, state once, once more, last week, one of the values that we value here is prayer. Um, and and the other, another value that we have is the Word of God, the Bible. And it should be no surprise that, um, that that's the case. But uh, I just want to highlight that and, and stress the value of taking time in the Word every day. And I'm going to show you a few things that I've learned and hopefully help us to become people of the Word. Um, often in a, in a Sunday morning, you'll hear a talk, but I hope that it actually creates thirst and hunger for more truth. Uh, that's what I, I hope, that once you've, we start to open the Word up and you start to go, oh, is that there? Is that really there? Uh, Kelly, this week, as we're reading through the Bible, she said, uh, there was more than one demoniac at the... At, uh, the, in the graves. And I said, really, where'd you see that? Well, I've read through this over and over, but today I seen that it says, and they. And I go, what? Don't you mean there was more? Yeah, there's more. That doesn't mean very much, but it's just was laid, laid, it was laying hidden under the surface. And uh, so when I see something in the word like that, I'll say, Lord, what, what does it mean? Um, but I'll, I'll just ask, like, so what's going on? And help us understand, like, what are you trying to say to me? And so I want to look at that today, and I want to remind us that success doesn't happen ultimately just someday. It happens every day, that, that every day our habits and the patterns, the things that we do, routine every day are the things that direct us into success in life. So my encouragement to you is that you make a pre-decision, which are our most powerful decisions. You make a decision before you get to the point where you have to make a decision, that you make a pre-decision that at least over this week and at least over this year, that you would bring yourself to reading the scriptures every day. Every day. Not, not long, don't need to like read long passages, but that, uh, that you would make a decision that you would read the Bible and pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Okay, so the Bible is a really important thing for us. It's a book like no other book. It's not just another storybook. It's a living narrative. It's a, it's a manual for life. More than that, it's a supernatural document. And so I want us to look at some things that would remind us of that. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, where, where Paul was reminding his young protege that there would come a time where people would always be learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning but not coming to the knowledge of the truth. Is it possible to learn and miss the knowledge of the truth? Apparently, that we can read through different portions of Scripture and say, oh, isn't that interesting? But never come to the knowledge of the truth. He, th this is, for you and I, a fairly scary thing. That You can just read the Bible as it's like a story. But it's more than that. It's, it's words of life. That... That, that David could kill a giant with a stone is an interesting story. But that I can take on a giant today, that's pretty practical. So it's not for me that 
I read about Daniel. Oh, isn't it nice he saved him from a, a lion or some wild animal? But when I'm hunting, it's good to know that he can still save people from wild animals. I'm saying it's practical today, not just an interesting story from back then. And so we look at the Bible, and we look at it as something completely different. It's not just like any other book. It's like, it's like no other book ever, ever written. It is the words of God. It is the manual for life, and they are words of life. Holy Spirit, give us a hunger for your word. Um, when I think of um, this, this uh, an interaction that's taking place between Jesus and the experts in the law in Luke chapter 10 and verse 26, Jesus asks this question, how do you read it? The Bible. I'm asking you to, this morning, church, how do you read it? Not if you read it, why you read it, how do you read it? Because if we're not careful, we'll come to the scriptures like it's just a nice book by Nicholas Sparks and it has some interesting points to it, but it's not actually authoritative in our life. How do you read it? Do you believe that when you come to the scriptures that they are actually able to nourish your spirit? When you begin to read the Bible, do you, do you see them as words of life that are transformative in our life? Or do you just see it as interesting? Here's what I need to tell us this morning and remind us. The, the Bible is like no other book on earth. It's not just a nice collection of stories. These are words of life and words that we can live by. And so I want to show us how to get the most out of the words when we're reading the words. The Bible is a supernatural book and needs to be read supernaturally. The, the word is powerful. He, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that the word is powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest instrument uh, of any other instrument, any other knife, <laughs> any other sword. And just think of that for a second. I, I mean, Selah, stop and think. It's sharper than any other of the sharpest of any instrument. Really? Okay, so the, so the word of God... Sharper than any other instrument. It's not hurting. How, what does that mean? Do you, I know you've heard that before. What does it mean? What's the understanding? I know you've learned that the Bible is powerful. You also heard, learned that it's quick. What is, how quick is the Bible for you? How quick is it? So the scriptures, it says it's sharp, and it's sharper than any other instrument. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked the question, because a little further on, it says it's actually able to deal with not only the seen things, but the unseen things. It's able to, able to separate soul and spirit, thoughts, and the intents of your heart. Do you want to know what helps you to see how you think? It's a word. It's just a scary thought. We, none of you know anybody else's thoughts. Or as I said to the earlier service, we didn't institutionalize each other. We knew they're each, like... Because our, but but it says that the this is a discerner of your thoughts. How does that work? I'm, I'm I know, isn't that fascinating? It's sharper than any physical instrument because it's actually a spiritual instrument. It'll discern and divide the very intense motives and actions of your heart. Is anybody interested in that happening? I don't know if I am. Well, which is which is actually very biblical because it says that we are resistant to truth by our own carnal nature. 
When I come to a passage that disagrees with my behavior, I have to make a decision. Am I going to ignore this or am I going to obey this? You always have the chance. You have the chance to be as married as you want to be. Isn't that right? It's your decision. Lyndon knows that. Anybody else know that? You don't have, you can act and think differently, right? It's the same with, you're only as pastored as much as you want to be pastored. I meet people all the time that say, you're my pastor. I said, oh, can I direct you? Well, I said, well, just shut up then about the whole idea of thinking I'm your pastor if you're not going to do what I suggest. (laughs) The best way for you to be pastored in this church is in a small group. It's where people can see you week after week. Can ask you questions and poke around and get in there and find out how you're doing and help you along. And we live in such an independent society, but this is the best hope for us is to have other people in our life helping us through situations. And so the word of God is powerful. First uh, Corinthians chapter two and verse fourteen. Boy, a lot of people at the end of the service asked me about this. Some somebody told me they said that sermon uh, was interesting. It was like a tack under my bum. I go, oh, oh. Okay, let me be a tack under your bum this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 uh, gives us a little bit uh, of an understanding for you and I. When we read this book, we can read it just like it's an interesting historical document. But it's not like any other document at all. It's completely different. And in order for you to understand it, you have to read it with spirit eyes. It says in chapter uh, 2, verse 12... And God's actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit. Did you know that the world has a spirit? Interesting. Um, I'm finding this very interesting. Uh, So we can know the wonderful things God has promised for us. You know how you understand the wonderful things that God's promised to you? By the spirit. So so there's no other way. Jesus, when when he was talking to Peter, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. How do you get that information? Some other way. So it says here that... That uh, what we tell you, when, when we tell you this, we don't use words of human wisdom. If you're not careful, you'll think, oh, isn't this nice human wisdom? It, that, that's not what it is. It's not human wisdom. It's not words of human wisdom. What we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spirit truths. Did you know that these are spiritual truths? And so in order to explain spirit truths, you have to use spiritual words. So, so in order for you to understand the scriptures, you need spiritual eyes. If you don't have the spirit of Christ living within here, if within you, and many people read the Bible. It's the most read book on the earth, <clears throat> most published. Many people read it like, oh, it's interesting. Oh, it's just another book. It's not just another book. If you, how do you read it? Do you come to it like it's just another book? You have, we have to, <clears throat> when we come to it, when we come to the scriptures, it's falling apart today. We have to believe that we're coming to the eternal, immortal, living word of God. And we have to let it have permission to cut two ways, going in and coming out. Double edge. We have to. Because otherwise we read it like it's just another book. So, so he says that, in, once again, I didn't quite get to verse 14. Could you put that up again? We speak words given to us by spirit, using spirit words to explain spirit truths. Verse 14, but people who aren't Christians or they don't have God's spirit can't understand these truths from God's spirit. These truths that are spoken to you come from God's spirit to us. It all sounds foolish to them. 
Haven't you ever been in a discussion with people and they say, oh, you know, that just sounds foolish to me. Well, naturally, don't expect them to say, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to change my life. It won't. Sorry, it will, but it may not make sense. Mark Twain is known to say that I'm not so concerned about the things in the Bible I don't understand. I'm very concerned about the things I do understand. Here's what he says. It says, not he, Mark Twain. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand. Come back, boys. Can understand what the Spirit means. And he, sorry, we who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand them at all. How could they? They don't have God's Spirit. What's he trying to say? He's trying to say that the words of Scripture are not physically, intellectually, even though you engage your brain, but that's actually not what's going to change you, is reading the words physically. We need to read the words spiritually. I, so many times I have people come to me and say, what's this say, what's this mean? I say, here's what it says. I'm not sure. What's it mean to you? You've got the same spirit. Like, you tell me. You have to let the author of the book explain what the book means. And who is that author? The author is the Holy Spirit who breathed and men were moved along by his spirit. And thus we have the living, eternal, perfect word of God. I just want to talk about the value of the Bible this morning. Y'all have a Bible. It's a good book. It's the good book. We were watching Messiah on Netflix, and Jesus shows up. Um, well, we haven't quite got there yet, but it seems like that's Jesus. And they said, and he's being interrogated by an interrogator. He's in prison in, a, in, a, um, in Jerusalem. And the interrogator comes in and says, so what's your name? And he says, the word. It just seems so funny to me. Because it's easy for us to say, ah, oh, he was the word. In the beginning was the word. If you were to ask, if you were to ask Jesus, what, what's your name? One of, he's, he, I'm the word. This is Jesus in print. This is one of the most remarkable things for me. It's when I'm reading this, I'm reading about not just who he is, but him. I'm reading, I'm incarnating, I'm feeding on him. Anyway, put, put 40 different writers in the same room over a span of 1,500 years, three different languages, and, chur- and, and choose a controversial topic that's clear enough to stake their li- life on, and what would you get? If you have 40 different writers, you would have 40 different opinions. Am I right? Oh, at least 35. But there was one author. 40 different writers over a period of 1,500 years in different languages. And, just, and then let's put together, put in there some things that they foretell would take place, thousands of things that would take place in entire different geopolitical environments. And every one of them almost to this date have come to pass. Like, there's no other book like it on the planet. There's nothing else like it. Let's read this this week. <laughs> I, was, I was spitting. I know. I've seen that. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. So, um, um, Jesus said in Luke 24 and verse 44, I just love this passage. It says, I told you everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of the prophets and the Psalms must come true. What a phenomenal statement. Everything. So, so all of the things in the Old Testament about Jesus, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. What a great thing. Let me, let me challenge you to read through the, the Psalms and find Jesus. I promise you he's there. He, he said that. He said, and he said, not only that, he said, everything that was spoken about me must come to pass. What a statement. And this is thousands of years after it was written. I just, I just find 
the Word of God to be profound. Okay, what happens when, how do I read the Bible? How do I read it? This is my, kind of my question this morning. How do you read it? I come to, I come, first of all, I believe that the Word is true. I'm not. So I come believing, oh, this is, I'm going to, now I'm going to read the Word of God. Um, somebody said, oh, well, I forget what I read last week. I forgot what I had for breakfast last week, but it still nourished me. You may not remember it, but every time we read the Word, it nourishes us. It feeds us. One little, uh, little girl, in, in, uh, she was telling a story about it, where they were in an African village. She went to, the, to get a um, water and came back. By the time she got back, the, all of the, the water drained out of her basket. And uh, her mom said, yeah, but isn't the basket clean? Sometimes just letting the living word wash over us. You know, men, the Bible tells you and I that we're to wash our wives with the word. What a thought. How are you doing with that? I can hardly get a back rub in now and again, but washing with the word. <clears throat> this, this, what a thing. So here's what, <clears throat> pardon me, I look, for th- I look for three things. As I'm reading scripture, I look for patterns, I look for parallels, and I look for pictures. Primarily, like a parable is a picture, it's a window where you can get into a truth. Jesus only taught like this. So I look for patterns, pictures, and parallels. Uh, for many years, I would read through, uh, I'd get to in Ezekiel, and uh, I would see the picture of the four-faced being. I don't know if y- y'all, when you read that, and you look at that, and you go, cool. Well, I was troubled by it. I go, you know, there's got to be something else here. What's going on there? This year, as I was reading through it, I said, Lord, because I typically ask a lot of questions. Sometimes I'll write them down. Sometimes I'll answer right away. Other times I've got to wait. But, it, but I said, Lord, what's the deal with the being? And he said, just write out the names. Who are the, who, who, what are they? They're a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. It just seemed weird, right? But you know, as I was studying for Christmas this year, I, I thought, okay, so what's the number? The number four. What else is four in the Scripture? What else is four? Do you know what? we got four Gospels. And wouldn't you know it, that when you look at the Gospel of Matthew, he is trying to, what he does, and this is known by all commentators, he's describing Jesus as king. What's a lion a symbol of? A king. So once I get that clue, I go, okay. Okay, well, what's next? Uh, next is the ox. What's an ox? Well, in Mark, Jesus is seen as a servant. What's an ox? A servant. And next I read about Luke. Luke, uh, it, one of the faces was a man. Who did Luke describe Jesus as? The son of man. And then I get to John, and John is, is, is uh, he describes him, uh, Jesus as a son of God. And what's a symbol of God? An eagle. Which one of these need genealogies to prove who they are? Servant doesn't need a, a genealogy. But if you're going to be a king, you need a genealogy. And if you, so, so to me, the fascinating thing, and if you're going to be a man, what's your genealogy come from? You don't need to have a genealogy if you're God. So it seems, so you're reading that. When you read about David and he had five smooth stones, it bugged me. Did, like, you're right, I know he had brothers, whatever. I said, there's something more there. What else is five? You want to know what else is five? Is like the five-fold gift, the governmental gifts that Jesus gave to the church. It's interesting. What, all you needed was one of those functioning in his gift to take down the giant. I'm reading through, I'm reading through Genesis, and I come across this passage about Isaac going to look for a wife. And I go, what the heck? 67 verses about a guy finding his wife. Doesn't he just walk across the dance floor and say, you know, hey, let's... Apparently not. 67 verses. How many verses in creation? 31. Whatever would be more important than creation? And so you're looking at, oh, it's about a marriage. It's about, no, but he's finding 
and he, and he, and he sends a servant. And like the story of the servant, and then he takes gifts. Where else is a story about like a bride and a bridegroom and gifts? <laughs> you start to see, oh, you're right, the whole narrative of the story. What if it's a picture of Christ and his bride, the church? What if that's it? Well, of course, that's the greatest scenario, the greatest story ever told. And what and what she do? She goes on a journey. And that journey goes on these camels, go back, and it's just, and she's carrying these gifts. Of course, the church is filled with gifts. But so, and he comes and he gets to her at night, of course. When's Jesus gonna return? It's gonna come and the kind of come like a thief in the night, and you go, whoa. Now it didn't change my life, but I go, wow. The scripture, there's nothing else like it. All right. <clears throat> Are you into that? I'm fascinated. I love the word of God. Let me just say how I how we get the word to work in these last six and a half minutes. <clears throat> Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul says to Timothy, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Anybody interested in understanding in everything? I kind of am. Um, you can read through the scriptures and not get any understanding. Understanding, the term understanding, it's different than knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom, uh, knowledge is simply information to know something. Uh, knowledge, you can't build a life on knowledge. You have to know what to do with the knowledge. That's called wisdom. And in order to, for wisdom to be functional, you have to have understanding. How does this piece fit in the whole piece? So he says here that if you'll think over these things, this term is used many times in Scripture to think over, to mull over, to ponder. And in all through the Psalms, it says, Selah, stop and think. When you're reading Scripture, if you don't stop and think, you'll miss the meaning of Scripture. It'll move right past you. So uh, I would say for me, I was reading about Anthony Hopkins. Before he embodies a person, he reads through the script 100 to 200 times. And he said, by that time, by the time he comes to his character, he said, I completely understand who I'm supposed to be. What if you and I, it's going to take a few reads <laughs> before we understand how we're, gonna, how we're supposed to act. Yeah, we get up in the morning, we give ourselves a little shot. Okay, Jesus loves me, this I know. Is that in there? Okay, do unto others. Okay, that's good. I think I'm good now. No, no. You've got to begin to meditate on that. The word meditate means to murmur, to mutter, to ponder, to conceive, to imagine, to utter from the heart, to form, to shape. Uh, the Hebrew word for meditation means to bond, to cleave, to entwine. Did you know this works positively and negatively? Do you all know you've got imagination? Uh, you got that working for you or against you? Because every one of us mutter and ponder. And we actually review things in our minds. What's the dominant thoughts that are rolling around in your mind? Because those are the ones that are shaping your life. If we're really going to do what Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 say, that the only way we're transformed is by the renewing of our mind. When you renew your mind, you're healing your mind. As we renew our mind, as you begin to go through that process of renewing your mind, you're restoring your mind. You're repairing your mind. The renewing of our minds, we do that by meditation on the word. And this takes time, but it's, ki it's, sort of, it's kind of simple, but uh, 1 Timothy 4.15, uh, he, he says again, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. I know that you've read the word. Have you given yourself entirely to it? I mean, just little bites of it. And give yourself, meditate on it and give yourself to it. We don't meditate on the word, we meditate in the word. There's a big difference to sit in the word. What happens when I sit in the Word? I completely imagine how this Word is working in my life. I can, I can, I, it'd, be, it'd be strange for me to function outside of this Word because it's now part of me. 
We sit in the Word. It's not memorizing Scripture. You've met lots of people who can memorize Scripture, but their lives are terrible. All they've done is they've intellectualized it, but they've not operationalized it into their life. They've not incarnated it into their, moved it from here to here, and then eventually into the shoe leather. It's not, they're not actually living and breathing the Word of God. Most dangerous people, three types of people, natural, carnal, and spiritual. Most dangerous people are carnal people. They have an idea of the Scriptures, but they just chose not to live it. Dangerous. I've never been hurt by a natural person, like, like emotionally. They don't, they, no, they, it, it's those carnal ones. They're the dangerous ones. That sure went flat. So, so, so in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 63, this is that long verse about finding a wife. It says about Isaac, he went out into the field to meditate. What did he meditate on? Because there was no scripture. Hadn't been written yet. What was he meditating on? This is Isaac, son of promise. I promise you, I mean at least, he's, he's, because the servant has went to find a wife. I promise you, in some way, this red-blooded male is wondering about his honeymoon. Isn't he wondering about the wife that's coming? Has anybody got engaged and then wondered, what's life going to be like married? See, Sarana's doing that, and she's... No, yeah, but you're thinking, don't you? But, you, but what's he doing? He's, he's, thinking, he's thinking about, okay, what, what if the servant brings back... Uh, this is what happened in Bible times. They didn't fall in love and get married. They got married and fell in love. They learned how to love after they got married. I, Isaac, is, Isaac is... And what's he thinking about? He's thinking about, I mean, among other things, he has to think about what happened in chapter 19 when his dad took him out to worship and he brings a knife and he brings some wood and he takes him up and he lays him on an altar and he wonders, okay, I bet you he's thinking about the God that came through because he revealed himself that day as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord whose provision shall be seen. Can you see the Lord's provision for you? If not, you don't know Jehovah Jireh. If you can't see him as being not just someone who might provide, but who is provision for you, that 20 and 20 will not, you will not be let down, but you'll be provided for because he is provision. We sit and we think about how's the Lord going to provide? I don't know, but you have to see him as coming through. Okay, you can do this negatively as well. God's never going to come through for me, I'm never going to be healed. Life is crappy. My marriage is never going to get any better. If you start meditating like that and rehearsing and muttering and pondering, guess what's going to happen? Your thoughts are your prophets, baby. They're foretelling what's going to happen for you in the years ahead. So I'm t- I, here's, what, here's my challenge for us. I'm, th- I'm throwing it down. Um, uh, I just want to, what do I want to say? I want to say this. I want to say when the word is living and abiding in us, God is living and abiding in us. When the Word is working in me, God is working in me. You have to be able to see that when the Word begins to work. So what, how does it work? In meditation, you be, give your whole body to the Word. Someone asked me between services, like, tell me again how that works. Uh, take, a, take a simple phrase like, the Lord is my refuge. Anybody understand that? Ever see it? see it? How is that working for you? When I say the Lord is my refuge, I see him as being my total security and my total protection. So how do I act if I know that I'm totally protected and I can't do anything wrong? I act a little different. I act pretty confidently. 
If I see, gee, I wonder if he's ever going to come through. No, no. Of course he's going to come through because he's faithful. I meditate and I sit with the image of him working in my life. Not who he is out there, who he is in here. When he's my refuge, and then I'll write that down. And by the end of that day, throughout that day, honestly, I'll have an opportunity to, I'll get, I'll get cut off by a Prius. And all of a sudden, the guy that's in the morning said, Lord, I'm going to let my mind be completely peaceful. And all of a sudden comes the Prius, and there's no more peace. The Prius took the peace. How's that even possible? Well, I get back into that Isaiah 56 that says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. It's a matter of, and here's what I, in closing, I just say, when we meditate on the word, you have to start to feel it. You have to begin to, and your emotions have to wake up to, uh, to, to who his word is in you. You've got to be able to feel it. And, and, and if not, you'll wonder, it'll, you'll, because feelings are extremely powerful. Oh, I think I've overpreached this. Let me just wrap it up. Psalm 139. Search me, know me, O Lord. Here's what's going to happen this week as we're fasting. The Lord's going to search us. It says in Psalm 139 that he knows my thoughts from afar. Wow. In, uh, in Isaiah verse 26, or sorry, uh, 55, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. In meditation, his thoughts become my thoughts. That's what takes place in our life. Um, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says, this word of the law will not depart from you, you'll meditate on it day and night, and then you will make your way successful. God's not going to make it. You're going to make it because God's in you. He's made the way successful because he's work at work in you. Okay. I think I've overstated the obvious enough. Uh, we're going to wrap up. I want to pray for people who feel dry. You just feel dry. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.